We're speaking up about diversity and inclusion. I'm Lindsay Bridges, and during this podcast series, I'll have the privilege of chatting to some amazing people from around the world and hearing their stories. I hope you enjoy this as much as I do. So today, I want to talk about a theory that exists in the world of diversity and inclusion. And that's the assumption that if an organisation recruits enough employees from underrepresented groups, a sufficient number over a period of time will rise up through the organisation and create a diverse culture at all levels. And today, we're going to explore why this isn't happening. But first, let me introduce today's guest, Fanny Huang, who comes to us from our Asia business in DHL supply chain. Fanny, thank you so much for joining me today. And I want to start with a really simple question. What's your story? Lizzie, thanks for the invite. It's great to be here. Um, so I'm usually quite brief in my self-introduction, but but I'll share a little bit more just given the context of this discussion. So um, currently, I'm a, a member of the DHL Supply Chain Asia Pacific Board. So basically, I'm the vice president covering strategic deals, looking at some of the strategic partnerships for APEC, as well as the head of ESG for APEC. So uh, that, that's uh, environment, social and governance. Um, and I've been with DHL for about five years now. Um, my path probably is a slightly unusual one uh, for those of us who have been DHL for much longer. So um, I was based in Singapore, uh, born and raised here, um, Chinese by ethnicity and descent, if, if that's helpful for the context of this discussion. Um, pretty much working class parents, grew up in a, in a, in a, in a you know, sort of average, normal childhood and background. Um, I was fortunate to do relatively well, reasonably well academically. So got a scholarship, studied in the States. And then joined the Singapore government uh, with the Economic Development Board um, back in um, um, for a couple of years. And then also worked, then left and joined a PwC, so PricewaterhouseCoopers Supply Chain Consulting based out of London. And then about five years ago, um, decided to join DHL based out of Singapore. Um, so a bit of uh, two different geographies and sort of, a, well, three geographies if you count college and, and sort of an interesting perspective, I guess, in terms of having seen you know, being a minority in certain parts of the world have been based out of. Yeah, so that's me in a nutshell. Thanks for sharing that. And thanks for explaining a little bit about that context. And yeah, indeed, how interesting that you've you've studied and lived and worked in, in different parts of the world, but now back home in, in Singapore. Yep. So let's jump straight into this theory. And the theory is, you know, if we employ enough people at the front line of our business, over time, they'll basically rise up and we'll get a diverse culture. It seems pretty simple, but what's your opinion on this and your experience? I think this is a question that I have started reflecting more on, I think in more recent years. And I, if I may, I take the lens of being an Asian and reflecting that if you look at many of the leading global corporations of today with a fairly global footprint, there aren't that many Asians um, in, in the, the most senior positions in many of these organizations. And I think if you cast the net wider, it's probably very similar in terms of representation of, let's say, Blacks, Hispanics, etc. Some of these larger communities around the world. Um, if I do, were to be slightly controversial, we sort of talk about it as a myth. 
But I would like to say that I think deep down, corporations know the challenge of, of bridging this gap, but they sort of start up with the hope that if you, like you said, create a diversity at the bottom of the organization, the, pipel- the pipeline or the funnel, it sort of, over time with some perseverance, you know, some people staying on and making true and rising to the top, then that naturally sort of proportionately gets to the top. But the realities, as we know, it's not happening. It's not happening fast enough. But I don't think we should be too surprised in all honesty about, about why that is. And, and I think it's because a lot of it starts with culture, if you, if you go into the bottom of it. And culture is something that takes a lot of time, effort, resources to change the status quo. And we talk about people joining a company for its brand, for the company, but you leave because of a bad boss, also called a bad culture. So if there are not enough interventions, I guess, to build that culture through, people get disengaged and they leave. You know, culture, you may say it's something about values instilled from the top down. But on a day-to-day for many people, culture is the day-to-day daily interactions, right? Among colleagues, among direct reports and managers and, and in the workplace. And and if and if that culture, that microculture isn't there to have the inclusion for all, then people get disengaged and people leave. And, and so that's sort of, you know, while we say it's a myth, it, it's not quite surprising that that's happening, I, I would say. I think that's very interesting that you talk about culture at those kind of two different levels, isn't it? Because you're right, there's a culture that the top management kind of almost sets and it permeates through the organisation. But in, in every business, there's, as you call it, microcultures that happen, you know, in, in smaller teams or departments or, or operations. And that's, I guess, what creates this this sense of belonging. And I know the mm-hmm. research says that if people don't feel a sense of belonging to an organization, they're unlikely to to progress through that organization. Do you see that sort of happening in, in our in our business in Asia or in other companies that you, you're familiar with? Yeah, I, I mean, I think, y- yes, in terms of in our company, as well as many other organizations, right? Um, if, if I take sort of a, a more personal view of maybe where some of the challenges or barriers right about this may be. So one, I think it's a sense of belonging. I think, I'll be honest, I felt it the most acutely um, when I was based in the UK. Mm-hmm. I wasn't working for DHL then, so as I said, just now I mentioned a, a different organisation where, in a way, I was the underrepresented ethnicity racial group mm-hmm. right in, in, in the UK. And I felt that acutely where you realise quite quickly on that I wasn't part of the in-group. So from the skills and the tools and the competence perspective, I have absolute confidence in that, in terms of a level playing field with the others. But that, that intangible sense of belonging about being in, it's something that was fl- felt quite acutely and quickly in terms of, um, you know, the pop culture, for example. I'm not used to beer drinking. You know, the shows people talk about, you know, whether it's a football, or well, I could argue football is a global, everyone's in the football globally, but but it's just little, little things that you realise, having not grown up there and been part of, that sense of belonging, there's a slight disconnect. I think i just um, like to unpick that kind of sure. um, being, uh, you know, being in a different culture, living in a different country, and just that, that sense of belonging a little bit more. And, and I'm just curious to know if you... Flip that around a little bit and put yourself in the in the team of the majority in whatever country mm. that is. So the the bosses mm. or the team you worked in. What what kind of things would you have wanted them to do to to make you feel like you belonged? 
So I, I think inclusion mm-hmm. is a mindset and a skill set. So, so the mindset to recognize that the world is larger than just sort of the majority. I, I think that, 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 that sensitivity to that, it's a mindset. It's, it's not easy to learn. I think it takes awareness, it takes time, it takes time but, but the mindset is one. Then I think the skill set is the other bit. One could argue that when I was in a consulting background previously, it is the skill set of the of a consultant to be very open, ask open-ended questions, to be a good listener, da 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 da, da. and and that extends on right. I think these are little little things we can do to try to create a culture of of um, inclusion, and, and that was what you know it would have been great to see more of. Um, but to be fair, I don't think people were outright trying to be. It just people don't realize it. So I think on on the. On the other hand, from my perspective, when, when I was a minority, I think it's important to speak up, to be able to speak up and make people aware um, of this. Not, not, not to complain, but to just, just, it starts with awareness, I think, yeah. It's interesting. I had a similar conversation with someone the other day um, who'd been out, a group had been out for a, a team dinner, um, one or two females uh, in the group, mostly men. And she said to me, she said, it was really difficult because the conversation turned to to football and it's a subject I, I don't know anything about and I can't contribute to. And she was saying how she felt just excluded from the conversation, excluded from that, that discussion and nobody noticed. And I think the point you're making is we need to be just that little bit more aware because it's not intentional at all, yeah. but we have to be more aware of it. <clears throat> we have to notice a little bit more. Or just a little example where um, I had a quite a close colleague um, again when I was in just using the UK example where because of the pub drinking culture, he was Muslim and he would like to join in, but clearly was not comfortable to join in. And it t- took some of us to say, hey, how about finding a non, you know, something that doesn't revolve around, around you know, having uh, drinks in a pub, which is, which is a very, very, um, you know, normal, common occurrence to then accommodate a colleague in a different setting. So I think just little things like that, you know, sort of makes everyone feel more. And, and that should permeate it through all levels of organisation, even up to the top, so that the people feel a sense of belonging, will stay on, and hopefully a chance to progress with us in the organisation. Yeah, no, I think that's that's valid points around those little things. And as you say, not intentional, but but can have quite far-reaching effects. Yeah. Um, so, so what else do you think are um, some of the issues around this, this subject? Um, I think if I pick up on um, the, the culture is one, I think it's another one. Um, so say, for example, and, and this is one I can personally resonate with, where uh, being Asians, generally sort of a bit of a sweeping sort of generalization of Asians, but we are, we are brought up with uh, um, the culture that you have to be respectful to your elders and don't, don't talk back, you know, the whole sense of deference. And imagine from a Western point, a bit of a clash of the Western point of view, speak up, you know, be heard, you know, debate, discuss. And so you have the interesting <laughs> situation where, you know, taken in an in a Asia-Pacific context, someone may seem to be very quiet. Or oh, the person's not speaking out, the person's very quiet. But really, it's just an ingrained, you know, sort of um, cultural, you know, attitude that they've grown up with. Um, but it's not that the, the person who is quiet does not have an opinion. It's just the person's trying to find the right opportunity to, to speak up. So I think some of these, again, creates that um, perception. 
um, and, and in a way, some sort of a bias when it comes to then gender, uh, uh, sorry, I mean, um, progression or performance appraisal, which is um, probably not, not exactly fair or, 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 or tr- you know, um, comprehensive enough in terms of evaluating someone's ability. So in our business, Fanny, what do we do to help on that specific point around, you know, Asia is a wide region. You've got the uh, the Australian, New Zealand, uh, quite typically extroverted characters, not afraid of speaking up at all. Um, and then you've got some of the more um, the Asian uh, country, cultures that you describe, typically more quiet, more more deferential. What is it that we do to help balance that, to help people understand that? There are probably a couple of ways. I, I think one... Take my take myself. I, I think it takes two hands to clap. So I, like I said, I'm, I'm Asian Chinese, you know, raised in Singapore. I, I think I probably had the benefit or the the rights of passage and fire of being of being exposed to American, you know, UK culture, and, and that sort of um, made me learn to speak up, right? Conditioned me to speak up. So I think that's a little bit of Asians working in a corporate environment, understanding the rules of the game, and how things work to um, be flexible and try to uh, adapt around that. I, I think that's that's one. But the second one then from the other from the other side is that um, it's, it's not simple things, simple actions like for example, after every meeting I always ask around and say, uh, any thoughts? So and so, do you have something, do, do you have any views on this? You know, so and so, what do you think? You almost have to call out um, and that takes more mm-hmm. time. That takes more effort, but I think as leaders, it's it's part of what we do as um, you know being cognizant of the culture and the environment that we work in. That we have to do that as well, quite deliberately and intentionally. Oh, thanks for that. Those are, and I guess those are kind of tips that we would want leaders to do in, in any group of people where you've got extroverts and or people who are slightly more introverted. But so we've talked a little bit about culture. We've talked a little bit about. Um, you know, the kind of mindset that we create. We've talked about things that we can do from both sides. Uh, what what else do you think? I, I think there's something around um, the knowledge of how to navigate professionally in a professional context. And again, I think the relevance of it, and I think that probably applies to many, many um, communities um, as well as countries where some of us are first-generation college graduates, so to speak, first generation, um, well-educated in the scheme of things, right, where our parents have not. And we have not been exposed to, so to as I sort of alluded to earlier, the, the, the rules of the game, how do you carry yourself, how do you network, how do you hold a conversation, a lot of these soft skills are, are, are not there as much. So I think... Um, and like it or not, some of it, I think, is something you can, I guess, some level of learning. But some of it then is just through, um, you know, opportunities and exposure with some level of sponsorship or mentorship, perhaps, that gives people, a, so to speak, a safe space, I think, to try to um, better understand and better better work around some of these. So you've you've come up with a couple of, of suggestions there around how we can do some things, mentorship, sponsorship, what is it that we should be doing more of, you know, as individuals or even as an industry when it comes to, you know, trying to take that diversity that is, you know, quite prevalent at the front line of our business and actually ensuring those people do get promoted through the organisation? What should we do? 
I, I sort of smile a bit because you've asked me sort of a million, a billion dollar question. <laughs> every every corporation, you know, you know, in the in the Fortune five hundred and beyond are all scratching their heads trying to figure this one out. So I, I wish I have the magic answer to that. Um, but, but I don't know. But I I, I think a couple of um sweeping thoughts, mm-hmm. so to speak. Yeah. So I I think one um honesty from the senior management in terms of the state of play. Mm-hmm. I think that's one. Um, we talk a lot about how DNI is very important. Uh, we talk about the why, the business case and everything. I think we also need to be a bit more honest about where things are right now mm-hmm. and that things are not what it seems to be. And I think that improves the trust that people have in us and that the sincerity that we are, we, we acknowledge you know, whoever ourselves, any other organizations, where we are and, and what more we need mm-hmm. to do. So, so I think that's definitely one. Um, the second then of, uh, I guess there are lots of tools and interventions, right? Um, you could argue inclusive leadership training, which is something we do in, in supply chain around conscious bias. So there's a lot of awareness of, of all of these. And I think these are all good, good to-dos. It will help in some way in terms of the overall culture change in time to mm-hmm. come. I think one other thing that we don't do as well, which is often, I think, tricky in most organizations, is calling out bad behavior. Mm. Um, part of it is sometimes we, we may not know, but I do think that, uh, I like to think, at least for us, reflecting the supply chain APEC, I, I think we're pretty good about it where everyone, you know, there really isn't a, a race or ethnicity lens in terms of, Succession planning, progression, you know, I can sort of say that a bit of hand on and hard. But as you go deeper in organizations, uh, it's harder to be aware. But the bravery and the ability to call out bad behavior, I think it's something um, we, we, need to do, we need to get better at so that we, we can talk about what good looks like. Easier said than done, yeah. I, I'm, I'm acutely aware of that. I mean, but um, I think that, I think, that needs to I, I think you're right. It is, it is easier said than done. And it takes a lot of... It takes a lot of courage to call out bad behavior, particularly if it's your peer or your or your line manager and, and the more junior you well, I don't know, I think it's difficult at all levels. But I do think it goes hand in hand actually with what you said about trust, openness, and honesty. Because in my view, if the if the leadership of the organization or the unit are open about the challenges that we're facing. That builds more trust, as you said, but then I would yeah. think that probably makes it likely people would feel more comfortable in calling out that bad behavior. Yes, that, that, that's very true. Yeah, in giving you feedback or, or to call out bad yeah. behavior and, and, and knowing that you do something about yeah, it. Yeah, and giving people channels, channels to call it out as well, a way in which to do that in a, in a safe space. Yes. I guess that's maybe where something like... Um, employee resource groups or networks, you know, for di- different diversity lines could come into play in organizations because that could create that safe space for people to come together and not to turn it into something negative, but to to actually have that open discussion about what works well and what maybe isn't working so well within an organization. So, so can I just comment? So I, I think the employee resource groups and the networks that you mentioned that and I know UK and I um, for supply chain is, is leading the way really on that. I think it's great in terms of providing that safe space. 
But I almost think that if I were to talk about diversity and inclusion, and I know there's not equity and belonging, but just looking at simply B and I, I almost wish that in a way diversity is just 20% and inclusion is 80%, where yes, you want that diversity, but diversity in and of itself, it's not the end of it, but it's really the inclusion and the belonging that that drives that success of, of DNI. Uh, but yeah, it is the harder part to do, right, around inclusive culture. Um, I think you're right. I mean, we talk about, at least I talk a lot about how do we make people feel comfortable about bringing their authentic selves to work every day. And that, for me, is yep. all about that inclusion and sense of belonging that we talked about at the, at the start of the discussion. It's how do you create that sense of belonging for everybody in the business? Thank you, Fanny. I think we've covered a lot, actually. We've talked about... Um, We've talked about culture, we've talked about mindset, we've talked about being open and honest around the challenges that we face in organisations and that actually, if this was easy, everybody would have done it. It's a really, a really tough challenge that many, many companies are facing around the world. Um, just before we move on to the quickfire round, is there anything else that you want to you wanna add? Maybe the, the one other thing I would just add to that where um, I think if we can create so so we talk about sort of you know the, the diversity in terms of ethnicity and race doesn't sort of filter through the top and sometimes it could help in some so we, we did talk a lot about culture and everything which is sort of longer but but one other way I guess in parallel to that is that if you start from the very top to create some level of diversity mm. then that um, reduces the hurt mentality when you have the diversity you have more different voices the unconscious bias the hurt mentality is being, minim- uh, is being minimized. And that just helps to have a more, you will hope, op- so to speak, objective lens when it comes to then succession planning and progression further down. Um, so if I look at, you know, our, our supply chain APEC board today, I think out of 15 of us, um, 13 of us are from within the region, um, which stretches from Japan to New Zealand to, to India. Um, and of which half, a bit more than half, are of, so to speak, Asian Asian ethnicity. So I think that's a, a healthy enough mix that then when it comes to viewpoints and discussions about people, um, becomes a lot more balanced. And I think that's one, one way to start as well, um, in addition to some of the other things we're talking about. I think you make a really interesting point. Firstly, about the progress that we've made in our Asia-Pac board within DHL supply chain over a number of years. You can see that that mix has has changed. And I think if we go back to the overall topic about today, this theory that enough at the bottom will will eventually permeate through, I think what we're saying is that that doesn't really work. You need to inject levels of, of diverse thinking or diverse representation at all levels of the organisation to create that overall culture, mindset and sense of belonging. Mm-hmm. Funny, thank you so much. I'm going to move into the quick fire round question. So um, you haven't been pre-warned on this, so it's... No, no, I, I really have no idea what you're going to ask. Okay, no at all. Uh, your, your first thoughts in terms of answers, there's only five of them. So the first one is, what does diversity mean to you? Celebrating the uniqueness of each individual for who he or she is. Brilliant. Celebrating the uniqueness of individuals. I love that. Thank you for that. And if you think back just the last few years, what's been the biggest area of change that you've seen in the diversity and inclusion agenda? 
simply that we're talking about it. I, I know the question is, what are we doing about it? But I think as a start to the level of awareness and debate and discussion, it's um, yeah something really putting on the table. And I think that that's a great start to then go into what we're doing about it. So that's a great start. We're talking about it. So then let me just take that to the next question. How do you see the future of diversity and inclusion? We, we talk a lot about, so, so maybe to, to what I said earlier, that it's diversity 20, inclusion 80, in the sense that we focus a lot about injecting that diversity, which is right. But just as we do that, the inclusion needs to be there because otherwise, even with the diversity, people will not be happy and you will continue to have that sort of tension and, 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 and challenges that it brings. So, so sort of while it goes hand in hand, I almost say the focus should be a culture for all and not about creating diversity for diversity's sake. So a really solid future that's about including everybody. And I guess that does lead into the next question, which is what does inclusion mean to you? I should have known that was coming. <laughs> um, the Being comfortable and confident um, about you know to be to be who you are um, despite your your differences. Yeah, I love the confident there. It's about being comfortable and confident. Thank you for that. I really love it. And the last question: What is your favorite podcast? My favorite podcast. Um, I must admit, I don't listen to podcasts that much. But the one that I really enjoyed and and and, and kept a special eye was um, the interview that Melanie Christ gave recently on the um, CFO Network. I think so. Women's CFO Network, where she shared her own personal journey in finance and encouragement she gave, and how she navigated her own career and some of the tips. I, I really enjoyed that a lot, and I, in fact, I shared that with um, quite a number of uh, women in my own sort of APEC network. Oh, that's brilliant! She's super inspirational, Melanie, isn't she? Um, I love listening to her. Brilliant, Fanny. Thank you so much for today's discussion. Um, I think it's been a, a great deep dive insight into what's going on from an Asian perspective in the world of diversity and inclusion. We've talked about the need to be open and honest, the need to confront some of the challenges we have as a business. There's been some great hints and tips for people in terms of including people who are underrepresented in our own teams, our own businesses. And I think a really strong reminder that, you know, this has to come at every level of the organisation, not just at the top or, or just at the front line, but throughout the business. So thank you. I've really enjoyed this, today's discussion. Thank you, Lindsay. Great to be here. Thank you. So thanks everyone for listening. That's it for this episode, but look out for us next month where I'll be exploring more diverse topics on diversity and inclusion. Now you can listen to us on Spotify, YouTube, or Apple, and we'd love it if you just leave us a review and tell us what you like about the podcast. Thank you so much. <laughs>